the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let's talk faith.com. W262CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. God, in a general way, blesses unbelievers, gives them food, gives them clothing. The sun, sometimes God allows someone who's very evil to be very, very wealthy. Be very, very careful of looking for signs of God's approval. If the results of our decisions are not a valid basis for deciding if they are God's will or not, how can we know if we are heading the right way in life? We'll consider that today on Verse by Verse. Thanks for joining us today. If you have been following our broadcasts, you know that we are in the midst of a thorough study of the life of David. Pastor Steve Kreloff is about to finish a two-part message about decision-making and the will of God. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 27 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Jesus turned the Jewish world upside down when he contradicted the teachers who thought that wealth was a sure sign of God's approval. We sometimes tend to think the same way. If we do something and it succeeds, then God must have approved it. That is not necessarily so, as we will learn today. Now, here's Pastor Steve. So not only do we know that from illustrations and we know that from the Word, but also there is another, there's another Bible character who illustrates that circumstances cannot be relied upon to determine if you're in God's will. Remember the prophet Jonah? Remember Jonah, that rotten prophet? God said, Jonah, I want you to go east. I want you to go east to Nineveh. It's just directly east, and I want you to preach to these people to repent. And you know what Jonah did? He went west. He went just the opposite. He went to a seaport city named Joppa, right near modern-day Tel Aviv. And and Jonah found a, a ship that was going real far to the west. You know what? Jonah might have said, it must be the will of God or else this ship would not have been here. But this ship was here. See, you cannot allow circumstances to determine the will of God for you. Circumstances may be good, but you still may be out of God's will. Remember this, when you say, God blessed me, so I know it must be his will. That's not, that's not necessarily the case. Jesus said in Matthew 5.45 that God causes uh, his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God, in a general way, blesses unbelievers, gives them food, gives them clothing, gives them the sun, gives them uh, fluids, water to drink. Sometimes God allows someone who's very evil to be very, very wealthy. And you you can't determine that. Be very, very careful of looking for signs of God's approval. 
So you say, if you can't evaluate your decisions based solely on circumstances, how do you evaluate them? How do you know what decisions to make? Well, uh, I want you to turn the New Testament to Colossians chapter 1. And while you're turning there, I'll tell you very, very simply, it's not that complicated. Some people make a real mystery out of the will of God. Number one, how do you know if it's God's will and how do you evaluate it? First of all, if something is clearly revealed in the word of God, then that's God's will. You don't need to ask any further. For example, you don't need to ask in a given situation, should I lie or tell the truth? You know you should tell the truth. You don't need to ask in a given situation, should I do the loving thing or should I do the selfish thing? You don't, you don't need to ask that. You don't have to wonder about it. If God's word tells you specifically or gives a principle of it, then that settles the issue. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 says this. Paul says, for this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now notice that verse. According to that verse, knowing God's will is more than knowing Bible facts. There are a lot of Christians who know Bible facts. They know their theology. They could teach a course on theology, but Paul said, no, knowing the will of God goes beyond Bible information. Notice what he said at the end of verse 9. He said, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, what he's saying, we've got to be able to gather the timeless principles of God's word and apply them to given situations. Wisdom and understanding. Application. That's how you make decisions in the will of God. Now, why? Why? And here's the motivation. Verse 10. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, we're not worthy of him, but we can walk in a way that's worthy of who he is in order to please him in all respects bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is the key. The motive is to please Jesus Christ, not yourself. See, that's where David was off. David never applied God's word about being the next king, and he was motivated by self-interest. He had a clear word from God, but he chose to disregard that. He should have just applied it. He said, of course Saul can't kill me. I'm going to be the next king. How could he kill me? And he should have thought, what is it that pleases you, Lord? Obviously, not going to the Philistines uh, would be uh, pleasing God. He should have stayed in Israel. So that's, that's how you evaluate your decisions. Are they based on clear principles of Scripture? And are they done with a desire to please the Lord? Or are they done with a desire to have your own needs met? Now, the question is this, and I know it has to be in your mind. If it's not in your mind now, it will be when you leave. So we'll deal with it now. What if the decision you have to make is not clearly spelled out in the Bible? What do you do then? What if you're given a choice to make and, and either of those choices would be, uh, would be okay? Now, one of those choices would violate the will of God. What, what do you do then? What do you do then if it, if it wouldn't be evil to make any choice? Well, uh, Philippians chapter 1 tells us what to do. It gives us great guidance, and I would mark this down. This is a, a precious principle that, that can help you all of your life. Philippians, just one book back from Colossians, Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. Paul says, This I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. And why? He says, I pray that you'll have knowledge, you'll have discernment. And he's talking about making decisions. 
Why? Verse 10, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Paul prayed for the Philippians to be more loving than ever before. He said, I know that you love, but I pray that your love will abound. I pray you'll, you'll love more than ever. I pray you'll be deeper than ever in your love for one another. That's very important. Why? He says this, in order to approve the things that are excellent. Now, let me explain. The word approve, in my version, the word approve, really, it's translated approve, but it means to test. It means to prove. It means to determine something. So if you you make marks in your Bible, that would be good to put down prove. Prove. In other words, the thought of this verse is when you abound in love, you will have the ability to evaluate or determine the things that are excellent. You will prove the things that are excellent by love. Now, Paul's point is this. The more loving you are, the more ability you will have to make excellent choices or decisions. Now, how? How does this work? When you're faced with a decision to make, and it could go either way, doesn't violate a a principle of Scripture, then love will help you to decide what you do because love will always decide on what benefits others, not yourself. Let me illustrate how this works. For example, a man has been given a promotion. He's given the opportunity to, um, to rise in the company, only has to move away, has to move out of, out of the area. And he's offered a new job out of town, lots of benefits, got a big title now, big office, everything he's been dreaming of for years. But you know what? His wife and his children really love their church, and he loves his church too. And you know what? For the first time in his life, his family is stable. His wife is growing in the word of God. She's growing spiritually. She's a better wife to him than ever before. His children love the church. They're in the youth ministry. They're growing in the Lord. They're really happy. Some wonderful things are happening spiritually. And he's faced with this decision. What should he do? Well, based on love, when love abounds, he chooses to stay for the sake of his family. He puts others before himself. That is exactly the principle of Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4 in action, which say, which say this. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So that, that's a great truth. That's, and that's exactly what Paul's saying. When you're faced with a decision that's not outlined in Scripture, then let your love for others guide you in your choice. Now, David didn't do that, and that's why he's run into problems. Now, there's a third way to know from this passage, as we go back to 1 Samuel, a third way to know if your decision is, is bad and out of the will of God, or the decision you've made has been out of the will of God. Not only if it's based on self-pity, if you evaluate your decision based solely on, on positive uh, circumstances, but also... You know you've made a bad decision if it drives you to compromise the word of God. If it traps you into into compromising the word of God. Now, David thought that everything was going to turn out all right because things look good right away. But when sinful decisions happen in your life, when sinful decisions uh, occur, they're never isolated. You can't keep a sinful decision here. It has a domino effect and it affects everything. And that's what happened to David. 
Notice verse 8. Now David and his men went up and raided the uh, Geshurites and the uh, Gerzites and the Amalekites, for they were the inhabitants of the land from ancient times, as you come to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. And David attacked the land and did not leave a man or a woman alive. And he took away the sheep, the cattle, the donkeys, the camels, and the clothing. Then he returned and, and came to Achish. Now Achish said, Where have you made a raid today? And David said, Against the Negev of Judah. That would be the desert of Judah, and against the Negev of the Jeramalites, and against the Negev of the Kenites. And David did not leave a man or a woman alive to bring to Gath, lest they should tell about us, saying, so that David, uh, what David has done, and so he has uh, been his practice all the time, he has lived in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David, saying he has surely made himself odious among his people, Israel, therefore he will become my servant forever. Now, what happened to David? Because David and his men needed food. I mean, he had 600 uh, men and, and their families to take care of. He uh, started invading some nearby tribes. The problem was the invaded tribes that were very friendly to the Philistines. So he decided he couldn't tell the king of Gath that I've just, yeah, I've just killed your friends. So he made up a story and said that he was attacking Israelites in Judah. He was attacking his own people. Now, David has made two bad decisions, sinful decisions, and one's led to the other. Number one, he slaughtered people and, and killed everybody for the sole reason that he didn't want them to tell the king that he had, he had done this. This has nothing to do with destroy your enemies because they're enemies of Israel. It's a very selfish thing. And you know what? He killed them all, men, women, and children. That's a wicked thing to do. In fact, later God said, you're not going to build the temple for me. You're a man of bloodshed, probably referring to this. And David wiped them all out because his attitude was, dead men tell no lies. So they're gone. Secondly, he decided himself to tell a bold-faced lie. He said, I've been raiding the Jewish people. And uh, the king said, that's great. Now he's going to be my servant forever, forever because they hate him. He can never go back to Israel. And David's deceit finally caught up to him. Let's turn over to chapter 29. We'll skip 28, as I said. That's about Saul and the witch of Endor. But in chapter 29, verses 1 and 2, Now the Philistines gathered together all their armies to Aphek, while the Israelites were camping by the spring, which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines were proceeding on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were proceeding on in the rear with Achish. Now, do you understand what's going on here? The Philistines are marching to do battle against the Israelites. The Philistines think that David is one of them. If David, David is trapped, if he says, uh, excuse me, I really uh, love my people and uh, I can't go killing them, they would have said, well, we're going to kill you right here. That's suicide if he admits it. If he goes to fight Israel, God's probably going to kill him. So he's in the back with his 600 men and they're marching with the Philistines to attack the Israelites. That's a problem. That is a real, real problem that David, David is facing. And um, he's trapped. He's trapped. No matter what he does, he's trapped. Now, have you ever felt like that? Trapped by your own poor decisions, and that's where David's at. And you realize that you've just made a mess of things. You've made a mess of things. Why? Because of your own selfish choices that you've made. When we try to solve problems by, by our own solutions, then we only mess things up. And many of us can relate to that. We tried it this way. It doesn't work. 
Now, look how good God was to, to David. He got him out of this predicament. It's just, just amazing. Then the command, verse 3, then the commanders of the Philistines said, what are these Hebrews doing here? Good question. And Achish said to the commander, commanders of the Philistines, in other words, there were different, different kings who came together in battle, not just Achish. And, uh, and he said, is, not, is this not David, the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, who has been with me these days or rather these years, and I have found no fault in him from the day he deserted me to this day. So Achish says, this is David. He's a good guy. But the story goes on to say, the Philistines say, we don't trust him. Get him out of here and get his men because in the middle of the battle, he may turn on us. We can't, we can't have this. And so the story goes on to say that, that Achish said, look, I, I trust you, David. I know you're a good guy. But those, who, uh, those other kings say, you've, you've got to leave. And so David leaves. He's out of the predicament. He's out of it. Tremendous. Tremendous. But when David and his men return, they leave. Notice the end of chapter 29, verse 11 says, So David arose, he and his men, to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Verse 1 of chapter 30. Then it, then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. Remember, that's the city given to them on the third day. So, they, so it took them three days to march to, to that city that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone. But at this point, David doesn't know that they didn't kill them. Okay, remember that. And he carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with them lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. So you understand the horror? The horror. And it's all because of David's poor decisions. He should have never been there in the first place. And if he was, he should have never been marching with them to go against Israel. He should have had his men protecting the wives and, and the children. So they're weeping. They're weeping until there's no strength. In verse 5, now David's two wives have been taken. It says in verse 6, says, Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him, for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. Let, let's stop there. It is so bad... They are so angry and so sorrowful, their sorrow is turned to bitterness, and they're about to kill David. Now, I would call this the low point of David's life. His men want to turn on him, and that's the low point. Ever been like that? A low point in your life? The lowest point in your life. You look at your life, and you realize that you've just blown it. You've blown it. Everything you've done has just been wrong. And you've made choices based on self-centeredness, and now you're reaping the results of your sin. So what do you do? What do you do? We don't want to leave you hanging there so you go, boy, this is a depressing message. All I hear about is what I didn't do right. Well, here's the right thing to do, and it's never too late to do this. Notice the end of verse 6. But David, now this is in the midst of his wives are gone, and uh, everybody wants to kill him. Then David strengthened himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of uh, Hamilchak, please bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought the ephod 
to David. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And he said to him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and you shall rescue them. David has returned to God, and I'll explain in a moment what this means. He returned to God. He's repented. He strengthened himself in the Lord. He reached out to God for his help. It's as if David is saying, God, I've been trying to solve this for a few years now on my own, and I'm coming back to you. By the way, there are no, there's no indication that any Psalms were written during this period he was in the Philistine country. The sweet singer of Israel was silenced because he had very little relationship with the Lord. He's come back to God, and he wants to know the will of God. He, it speaks of an ephod. An ephod was, the high, was a, on the high priest. It was an apron-like garment that uh, had some sacred stones on there, and in some way, maybe the way they lit up, it would indicate God's will. We're not exactly sure how it worked, but it would, it would do that. The point is this. David is seeking the Lord, and he wants the will of God. For the first time in a long time, he wants the will of God. You see... The great hope for us is that it's never too late for you. It's never too late for me to say, God, I've blown it. I have made poor decisions and I want to change. I confess it as sin and uh, I messed up my life, but I'm coming back, coming back. That's a tremendous, tremendous truth. You see, if you are already a Christian, then the application is this. Simply acknowledge your waywardness. Your sinful decisions, your self-pity, your self-centeredness, repent of it and return by doing the will of God. Get back into the word and say, God, what would you have me to do? And many of you have done that. That's why you're here today. You were wayward for a while, but you're back. Some of us perhaps aren't. You need to do that. Begin to walk once again in God's ways. Maybe it's been a long time since you've really walked with the Lord. Oh, you know the Lord. And you can give your testimony like that. But you know what? It's like you left God years ago. And you've made your own choices. Business choices. Family choices. Perhaps financial choices. You've made them. Decisions to maybe walk away from relationships. Friendships. Maybe even church relationships. And you've just been wayward. Come back. Come back. If you are not a Christian. The application is this. It simply means to acknowledge your sin. Repent and turn to Jesus Christ for eternal forgiveness because all of your life has been making the wrong decisions. Because the only right decision is a decision to honor the Lord. When I came to, to Jesus Christ many years ago, I, I didn't know much. I, I really didn't know much about the Bible, but I did know that I had messed up my life and I wanted a new life that was offered in Jesus Christ. And if you've never trusted him, I invite you to do that to acknowledge that you've messed up your life. And we'll have somebody up here after the service, one of our leaders who can speak to you about trusting Christ. But for right now, for those of us who do know him, let's bow in prayer. This is a time where you can can speak to God, confess your sin. Maybe you can really relate to David. And maybe you're going through a time right now of self-pity. And you're about to make some rash decision that you will live to regret. Turn from it. Open your heart up to the Lord now and talk to him. And I'll close in just a few minutes. As our hearts are still before the Lord, maybe you need to evaluate your love. Maybe you're wrapped up in yourself and you've made some really bad decisions based on self and not loving others. Can you ask God to help you to love others, to think about others, to make decisions that would be in the best interest of others and not yourself? 
Maybe you're feeling sorry for you these days. Thinking nobody really cares. Nobody knows my hurts. But God cares. And you need to turn from that. That is a a wicked, insidious kind of selfishness. Turn from self-pity. Blow out the candles on that party. And confess it as sin. Maybe you're the kind of person who, instead of looking to the word, looks to signs, circumstances. They play perhaps too important a a role in your decision-making process. The thief on the cross made a great decision to trust Christ, but he still died. He still died. Circumstances don't determine whether what you've done is right or wrong. The word of God does. And the motivation of love when it's not in the word of God gives you guidance. And you know that you've made a bad decision if you're trapped. If it forces you, drives you to compromise the word of God, that's what happened to David. So if you're in a mess right now and you don't know any way out, you need to call out to God. God, I've, I've messed up big time and I need your help. I repent of my sin. I want to follow the will of God from this point on. Thank you, Pastor Steve, and thank you all for tuning in today to another Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you would like to know more about Verse by Verse Ministries, visit our website at versebyverseradio.org. There is a term that can be used to describe making... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.